Um, hey, how many of y'all got a cookie? Yeah, we got any chocolate chip cookie fans in the house? Or am I the only one? Uh-huh. Hey, I got a question. How many of y'all are like a, a dunk the cookie in the milk kind of person? Because I'm thinking like the only thing we were missing tonight was like a glass of milk, you know? Um, and I, I love chocolate chip cookies. You can probably tell. Um, but, uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking like the fake, you know, packaged, store-bought. How many of y'all agree? They're just not the same. It is not the same, right? I don't know what it is. I don't know why the stores cannot make a chocolate chip cookie like grandma, all right? But they need to go hire grandma or something, but they do not do it. It is not the same thing. But, all right, question. How many of you guys have got the ultimate chocolate chip? It is glorious from Cheddar's, the chocolate chip cookie. They call it the cookie monster. It's phenomenal. They take a chocolate chip cookie, they put ice cream on top of it, and then they top it with like chocolate syrup and like whipped cream and a cherry. It's, oh, it's so good. Mm, so good. Y'all cannot go to Cheddar's till I'm done preaching. I'm just saying. I'll preach short because I want one. All right, so hey, have you ever had a bad chocolate chip cookie? Really? Man, I, so, okay, so I think that I've had like one bad like really bad chocolate, like there are some that are really good. Like you got like grandma's cookies and then, you know, like, and then you got like the packaged ones, right? But they're still good enough to eat. We still dunk them in milk and throw them back, right? So it's, it's all good. But I'll tell you something. I was judging a, a cooking contest at a local high school for a home ec class one time. And um, I've eaten a lot of chocolate chip cookies in my day. And I've enjoyed just about every single one of them. Um, except for this one batch at this home ec class. In this one batch, I listen, I took a bite of that cookie and I didn't even swallow it. It was that bad. I spit it out. And I immediately knew what was wrong. I immediately knew what was wrong. Because it, here's what you may not recognize. That every single chocolate chip cookie has, every single good chocolate chip cookie is what I ought to say, has one thing in common. And you wouldn't think it because cookies are sweet and they're gooey and they're just so awesome, you know. But the most important ingredient in a chocolate chip cookie is a little bit of salt. And I took a bite of this cookie and it tasted like plain, like dough. It was just gross. It was horrible. Like chocolate chips aren't even good in chocolate chip cookies that don't have salt in them. Who knew, you know. And and this sweet, pleasing cookie... It did not taste like a sweet, pleasing cookie. I had to spit it out in the trash because it was missing salt. Because what we find out is that salt enhances the other flavors in the cookie, right? And you guys probably get this. You you put salt all over your food all the time. But you would be surprised at how much this wonderful, sugary chocolate chip cookie needs a little bit of salt. So why do we serve you guys cookies tonight? Why are we talking about cookies ingredients? You know, because I'll say this, just like chocolate chip cookies need salt, Jesus says the world needs you. In fact, in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, Jesus says this, you are the salt of the earth, is literally what he calls you. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light 
Shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So tonight, we're starting a new series called Salt and Light. And we're literally going to pull just a ton of ideas from this idea of Jesus saying, we should be the salt of the earth. We should be the light of the world. So we're going to look at multiple ways that both individually and as a community that we can be salt and light. Tonight, I want to talk about work. I want to talk about how we work and how we can be salt and light in work. Because here's the deal. Work will soon, if it doesn't already, consume about one-third of your life. You ever considered that? Let's just say you work eight hours a day, you sleep eight hours a day, and then if you really want to get technical, you spend like an hour or two, if you're female, getting ready for work, right? So, like, literally, at least a third of your day will go to work if it doesn't already. Maybe you're in school, you're thinking the same thing. School does the same thing. It's like, it just kills life in general, right? You will will forfeit family time, vacation time, time for worship, time for sleep. You will give the best part of your days to work. Work is actually pretty important inside of our culture, isn't it? And here's here's what I know. If you haven't already, at least once in your life, you will probably work at a job doing something that you hate for somebody you don't like. Anybody ever had that job? Some of you guys are like, I'm in that job right now, Heath, you're preaching. I'm just, yeah. But here's, what, here's one thing everybody knows when it comes to work. Everybody answers to somebody, right? At work, everybody answers to somebody. So the question for you tonight is this. Who do you answer to? Who do you answer to? In light of our desire to be salt and light, who do you answer to? See, when you go to work and you're doing your job or you're just working for, are you just working for you? Or are you just working for your manager? You're just working for your boss or the owner of the company? Or if you're a Christian, are you, as Colossians 3.23 says, working with all of your heart unto Jesus, unto the Lord? Are you doing your best to work as though you were working for the Lord, not for human masters? Now, this is kind of a new way to think about work, right? Because usually, if, if I were to come up to you and I were to say, hey, um, tell me about your work, you would start to tell me, like, where you work. You would maybe tell me when you work, right? You would tell me what you do for work or how much you get paid for your work. And all of those are really important things. You ought to be getting paid for work, okay? But... If you're a Christian, you know that what you do, no matter what you do, what you do matters to God, doesn't it? And your work matters to to God. Work specifically, God, God has given us biblical instructions and guidelines on how we can work. And if we follow these instructions, we will honor God with our work. And we'll figure out that work isn't just work. But work can actually be worship. So tonight, as we, as we talk about being salt and light, I want to talk to you for a minute about work as worship. Some of you guys are like, Heath, you don't know where I work. <laughs> I'm not sure those two go together. But think about this, okay? For every single one of you, um, God has given each of you like your own little piece of the earth right now. Okay? So he, and, and he's given you kind of a sphere of influence 
where you have family, you have friends, and then you kind of have peers, right? And so if you're working, how many of you guys have like co-workers that they're not family, they're not even really friends, they're just kind of co-workers? How many of you guys have those around you, okay? So I'm just curious, how many of you guys have a job? Throw a hand up. Okay, all right, just want to make sure. So if you're in classes, right, you have people around you that they're not family, they're not friends, they're just kind of peers, right? And, and here's the thing. Here's what you got to recognize, okay? Your classroom, your work matters to God because the people at your work matter to God. God is concerned with your work because he's concerned with the people you work with. He can, he's concerned with the people you're in class with. We have no doubt that God loves our family. We, we have no doubt that God loves our friends, But have you ever stopped to consider that the other relationships that you have in your life matter to God as well? Your co-workers, they matter to the Lord, right? Other students that that you're surrounded by, they matter to the Lord. And what we know is that you will end up spending as much, if not more time, with your co-workers than you will with family or friends. See, here's what I know. I know that every single day I get about three hours with my baby girls, okay? Um, if, if one of them wakes up early, that might be a little bit more time. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to wake up during that time, so it doesn't really count. But, um, it, you know, I get about three hours a day with, with my baby girls, okay? Unless it's Tuesday. On Tuesdays, I get about 30 minutes with my baby girls because we do services tonight, stuff like that. And, um, it, it, but here's the flip side. On a Tuesday, I will end up spending about 14 hours with my coworkers and about 30 minutes with my family. So we're, we end up spending a lot of time with those that we work with, don't we? We end up spending a ton of time in our workplace and with people that matter to God. And so I think for a moment, if we can talk about being salt and light In regards to our work, I think that we can figure out that work is important. Let me explain it to you like this. Pretty much everybody I know, like, hates their job, but it pays the bills and they like electricity, so they keep going, right? Um, I know very few students that really love and enjoy their job, right? It's like minimum wage, grunt work that nobody else wants to do. We get that. Like, you, you got a job, not a career, right? You, you haven't got the degree yet. They won't let you do the thing you actually want to do. So you got to go do the thing you, you have to do because you like food, you know? And so, you know, th- there's no corporate ladder to climb. It's just a job and everybody knows it. And it, you're just really not that far up on the totem pole, right? But work hasn't always been bad. And if we could reverse the clock and go back to Genesis chapter 2, in the very beginning of creation, where God creates the heaven and the earth, he creates Adam, he takes him, he puts him inside of this perfect garden. In Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now remember, the garden is a perfect place. So in this instance... Work was something that God had Adam doing inside of this perfect Garden of Eden where everything was good. God begins to create the heaven and the earth and everything he creates, he says it's good. And literally, like, God would come down, he would stroll through with Adam, they would enjoy their time together, they would enjoy the garden, 
Everything was good. There was no say, no, 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 no pain, no sadness, no anxiety, no deadlines to meet, right? I'm not even sure there was sweat in the Garden of Eden. I don't know. Did Adam really have to work that hard in the Garden of Eden? I, I don't know. But he was working, and he was good at it, and he enjoyed his work. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to us, because we've only experienced work since Genesis chapter 3, where sin enters the picture and ruins everything. So we know work as hard work that we have to do, not necessarily work that we get to do, right? Adam enjoyed work that he got to do. See, see for us, work is hard. It's painful. Deadlines bring anxiety. But you got to recognize that it was the curse of sin that ruined work. Work is not a curse. Does that make sense? So, in the beginning, while everything was good, work was going on, and work was good. It was originally created as a good thing. Think about it like this. Work is, is, work is something that builds things up. So, when you work at something, you build up that thing. You make it better. When someone gives you a job, you're given both the authority and the responsibility to make something better. If you think about it like this, if you have a job in here, every single one of you has a job, you've been given the authority and the responsibility to make something better. So you make your restaurant better by being a great host or a great server. You make food better by being a better cook, right? You, you make your retail job better by cleaning up after everyone else's mess. I, I don't know. How many of you guys work in retail? Like, Think about it. You go into American Eagle and you try on a pair of pants. You don't buy them. You don't fold them, put them back on the shelf. Somebody else does that, right? Like they hire people to clean up after you. Who who else does your laundry in the world, right? So as a teacher, right, you teach the Los Niños, okay? And they get better because they are with you. Like I, as a dad, I try to keep kids alive. You try to make kids better, right? Like, and so you work at that. Some of you guys are called to be great teachers, and I've seen you. You're great with little kids, um, and kids are better off for it when they're with you. Now, let me ask you this. If we worked every day like work was a good thing, do you think people would take notice? If we showed up day in and day out, even when the boss asked us to come in early on a Saturday morning, would people take notice? Do you think your workplace would change if your thinking and your attitude about your workplace changed? All right, you, you guys know the golden rule, right? Think back to like second grade, okay? <laughs> What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? Did you know that Jesus said that? That's actually a Jesus quote. Luke 6.31, Jesus says this. Now, what do you think work would look like if you took seriously the words of Jesus in Luke 6.31? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Might that change the way we work? If we went to work every day with this attitude. See, here's what I know. If you've spent much time on the job site with other workers, with other people, you figure out quickly that most people go to work to do their job, to do their job well, right? Or they work hard so that either, number one, they don't lose their job, or that, number two, somebody will take notice, right? So you don't want to lose your job, but 
if you're working hard, you want someone to take notice. And Jesus is not opposed to other people taking notice when you work well. When, when, when you serve others well, Jesus is not opposed to others taking notice. Look at Matthew 5.16. We read this as being salt and light. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. That they may see your hard work ethic. That they may see your great grades. And give you a raise. Give you a promotion. Give you an award. But that's not what it says, is it? Let them see your good deeds. Let them see your great work ethic. So that they may praise and glorify your Father in heaven. See, I have this belief that we as Christians should be the best workers, the best co-workers, the best managers, the best bosses ever. Because our Lord has declared that we don't just work for our boss. We don't just work for a paycheck. We don't just work for the accolades. We work for Jesus. And because we work for Jesus and because we want to be salt and light, you do to others what you want others to do to you. That's what Jesus said. So you work for others the way that you would want others to work for you. You, you. When you're above or below them, you value others the way you want others to value you. You serve others the way you want others to serve you. You treat others the way that you want others to treat you. Now, if you were to go back to Luke 6 and read in this paragraph where Jesus gives us the golden rule, you'll, you'll find in this section of scripture, Jesus says things like this, love your enemies. Anybody ever had an enemy at work? Work is full of drama. It's insane, right? He says, pray for those that mistreat you. You ever been mistreated at work? And then Jesus follows up like all these crazy statements like, pray for your enemies and pray for those that mistreat you and, you know, like love your enemies and all this stuff. And then he follows it up with this in 635. He says, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So if we go back to the golden rule, which was just before this, this portion of Scripture here, and and, and turn it into the golden rule of work, we work unto others as we would have them work unto us. We boss unto others as we would have them boss unto us. We manage unto others as you would have man... Others manage unto you, you, I don't know, you snow cone unto others, Andrew, is you would have others snow cone unto you. <laughs> you sell unto others, you clean unto others, you barista unto others, as you would have others barista unto you. Why? Because we work as though we are working for Jesus. And here's what I know. Some of you guys are sitting there right now and you're like, Heath, you don't know where I work. You have no clue what goes on there. And maybe you're at that job or maybe you're in that class where you just don't see how you can honor God inside of that environment. Okay, if that's you, you've got some homework to do. Okay? So if you're in that place where you're just not sure how you can honor God inside of the environment that you're currently in, a class, I don't know, a dorm, a family, a workplace, whatever that looks like. I want you to go read a story about a guy, a godly guy named Daniel. Okay, there's a book in the Bible that's named after him. In fact, if, you, you know, if you're not familiar with the Bible, just go to like the first few pages, table of contents, look up Daniel, you'll find it. Turn there, just go and read about Daniel. 
Because what we look at, when you read about Daniel, here's what you're going to figure out. He managed to honor God while serving under a king that thought himself a god. And God didn't remove him from his post. He didn't give him another job. God didn't always take away the trials and the persecution, but rather God was with him and God allowed Daniel to be salt and light in a terrible environment. Because Daniel understood what it, what it meant to honor God right where he was at. And so I'll say this, maybe for you, you find yourself working in a place that is just not good. It is that dark environment. It is, it is not a place that you want to be. And I'll say this. Maybe the Lord has you where you're at. Because where you're at deserves a little bit of salt and light. Maybe like the chocolate chip cookie that's horrible without salt. Your job would be horrible. Your workplace would be a horrible place without you. Maybe you're the one that's there for a reason because you understand what it means to follow the golden rule of work. Because you work not for a boss, not for a paycheck, but for Jesus. And if you're in here tonight, and listen, you're not a Christian, I get it. You're like, man, I don't know if I believe in all this stuff. I'm not sure if I really want to work like that. I don't know if I want to serve others like that. That's fine. That's fine. Okay, But I'm willing to bet... That just like every other law and every other rule of God, if you follow it, there's actually a blessing that comes from it, whether you believe in Jesus or not. Because I've never heard anybody say, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, I hate it when you work really hard for me. Your boss is going to appreciate that. Amen? But see, when we work like this, people do take notice, don't they? When our work is dedicated to the Lord... And it looks different, it feels different, it sounds different. People take notice. And you got to know that this is the kind of teaching that changed the entire world. This is the kind of teaching that that the disciples, when they were rolling around and they're they're working like this, and people are following Jesus and they're working like this, it, it is said of them, these men have come to our town who have turned the world upside down with the message of the gospel. This kind of teaching of Jesus is what, Changed the entire world. Let me prove it to you. This is the kind of teaching that changed your heart. You became a child of the Most High because God was kind to you. Go back. You became a child of the Most High because God was merciful to you. See, if you really go into this, into this scripture, it says, You will be children of the Most High. Because God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. We were the ungrateful and the wicked that he was kind to. And it changed your heart. Colossians 1.21 says this. Once there was a time you were alienated from God. And you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now God has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. See, once you were alienated from God. Once you were an enemy of God because of your evil behavior. We were the ones 
that needed mercy. We were the ones that didn't deserve what we got. And Jesus literally came from heaven to earth to pay for our sin. To give us an opportunity to be accepted by the Lord. To live in relationship with God, our creator. God was merciful through us, to us, and he saved us through Christ's sacrifice. So here's my call tonight. If you're saved, it's time for us to go into our workplaces. It's time for us to go into our schools. It's time for us to give what we've been given. And it's time for us to honor the Lord with our work. Maybe for you that means you need to implement the golden rule of work. Maybe for you that means that you need to start praying for someone. Pray for those who mistreat you. Love enemies. Care about your peers because God cares about your peers. Amen? And if we'll get this right, we will find that our work matters way more than a paycheck. You'll figure out that God has you where he has you. Not because of a paycheck. Not to please your boss. But because your work is meant to be worship to the Almighty God.